You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Why are we feeding a horse that's already fed? Because it's redundant. Like so that's the whole point. That's the whole point of that idiom. You do realize that, right? Oh, that's true. Like, why would you feed a dead horse that's, that's already dead? <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hook. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Brazilian Thai. I think I have officially entered uh, hyperphagia. Do you know what that means? That's a really big word. <laughs> it's when, uh, well, it happens to bears. Uh, when, when, oh. they, when they want to get ready for hibernation, they become so focused on food that really nothing else matters in their life. And that's basically the point I am at right now. Uh, it gets dark at about 4.30. Christmas is in two weeks. And uh, I'm getting prepped for that big day, man. Uh, yeah, I have groceries that I need to find a way to get home without thawing. So I think they're just going to get thrown in the box of the truck. And I'm going to hope for the best. Well, and um, you know what? The weather looking <laughs> too nice for Christmas. Yeah, at, at about 3 o'clock, I am starving because the sun's starting to go down. <laughs> That's the best part about Christmas in Canada. Because if you get this massive stash of Christmas baking, you can either keep it on the deck. What I like to do is I keep it in my truck. So it's like it's I have a handy. mobile bake truck. Whenever I go anywhere, I always now, have now, goodies now in the that, back. Now that, that legalization has occurred, uh, a mobile bake truck could have a totally different meaning. Do you know how much money you could make? <laughs> well, it depends. Are, you, are we selling baked goods or, ba- or goods to get baked? We're selling baked goods to the people that are oh. baked. <laughs> oh, now there is a business model. <laughs> In the huddle with Karan Todd on the Two and Out podcast. Well, uh, the 2018 offseason has been fast and it has been absolutely furious. Uh, and I don't think it's really surprising anyone at this point let's quickly go through the player signings here um a lot of signings have happened no real massive names and i'm when i say massive names i mostly mean quarterbacks uh, but the owls have locked up two offensive linemen in christian matt and tony washington the stampeders signed five canadians and all special teamers and i actually feel like this part of the Stampeders is really not talked about all that mm-hmm. much. There's Rob Maver, the punter, uh, Renee Paredes, the kicker, but also the long snapper, Pierre Luc Caron. And they announced this trio as re signing all together. And 
somebody actually at the State of the League this year, they wanted more recognition for long snappers and kickers and all that. And I, I find it really symbolic that the Stampeders announced all of these extensions at the same time. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, and you kind of keep the battery together, so to speak, to steal a term from baseball, uh, you know, with, with – with a kicker, long snapper, and the holder, uh, it's huge. I mean, having consistency in those positions, especially on your special teams, uh, just makes them that much better. Uh, and then, like guys like Charlie Power and, and Milanovic Leader, who, you know, they're they're not flashy, but they are really good on special teams. Uh, you know, they're up there in tackles uh, when it comes to team stats. It's just, you know, if if you can have a good special teams, that, that's one aspect of the game that that you can win. You need to win at least two out of the three aspects. I think to win, to win a game, uh, you know, and, and that just it, it it special teams is often seen as a throwaway, yeah. uh, maybe not in man, not maybe not to management and stuff like that. But you know, in the in the big scheme of watching a game, you never really think until uh, you know the play by play guys bring up flipping field position and you know maybe a missed field goal is the reason your team's down by two instead of three, or instead of tied, you're, you know, you're down by two and, and stuff like that. So so to have to have special teams be that much of a of an advantage for Calgary, it seems, and you know, having guys that can do the job year in and year out and do it well, uh, that's huge in that aspect of the field, in that aspect of the game. Speaking of special teams monsters, uh, the Bombers signed Mike Miller mm-hmm. to an extension, and you know, he might not be a guy that everybody talks about, but the guy's a monster on specials. Uh, he always seems to be in the middle of everything that, oh, that yeah. Mike O'Shea and his special teams guys get going. Uh, you know, he, and again, it, you don't hear a lot about the special teams. You, you hear his name, you know, once or twice, and he makes a tackle. But it always seems Mike Miller is in the middle of things, and you know, you need guys like that. And of course, Mike O'Shea is going to love players like that because he was that player. Uh, the Riders signed four Canadians, including a local product, Mitch Picton. The Red Blacks signed Richie Leone, Julian Fioli Godino. Uh, and now maybe talk about some guys that could be heading to the NFL. The Stampeders end up releasing Chris Matthews, who actually just returned to the CFL for a brief run with the Stamps uh, on their uh, road to the Grey Cup. They released him uh, to allow him to pursue NFL opportunities. And Bo Mitchell... Chris Ackey, Deontay Spencer uh, were already worked out by the Minnesota Vikings where Brandon Zilstra is. So <laughs> maybe Zilstra has been able to turn those Vikings uh, management onto saying, hey, we got some great players in Canada. We should give them a shot. Uh, and after watching that debacle that was Monday Night Football last night for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell might not be a bad <laughs> choice. Uh, they should probably fix their O line before you know just deciding the quarterback's the problem. But it, Zilstra being down there could be huge, uh, a huge selling point, or, or maybe he can go to management and say these guys are good uh, and give them a leg up. Uh, apparently, Bo is exclusively throwing to Deontay Spencer, and they both did okay. Not, not uh, a bad choice. Yeah, uh, uh, for their workouts, Bo is also. Worked out for the Denver Broncos. Alex Singleton has workouts scheduled. Uh, Kwaku Boatang has workouts scheduled. Uh, mm-hmm. Samuel Aguavin from the Riders has them scheduled. While Willie Jefferson says, hey, if they want me, they're just going to have to give me a contract. So I, I like to see the different approaches from uh, these players trying mm-hmm. to make it there. Yeah, he's. Hey, I've done what I've done down here. If you don't like what you, if you like what you see, I'm not coming to do a workout. Basically, mm-hmm. if, if you want, if you want me, sign me. Uh, you know, he's just 
no crap. Just, you know, I'm here. Just, yeah, he's, he's not going to bend to their wishes, uh, which, you know, after watching him and Charleston Hughes this, this year on the defense, uh, you know, they weren't taking crap from anybody. <laughs> uh, and, and that's continuing now into the offseason, which is awesome. If you're a betting man, well, you are a betting man. No, we we don't know that for sure. No, <laughs> rumor has I it. I haven't rumor bet has like it. three days. I haven't bet in like three days. Three Actually, days. That's a lie. Holy crap! I bet on I, I bet twenty bucks on Sunday on the weather game and won. <laughs> so, huh? I don't know what the odds are, but mm-hmm. will Bo Levi Mitchell be back in the CFL by Labor Day? It depends. Uh, on who signs him or, or what ha- like what happens in his workouts obviously is going to decide a lot of things, but um, it, it depends on the team that he ends up getting an offer from. If he does get offers, uh, if if it's a team like Cleveland, then yeah, he'll probably be back. Uh, if it's a team where their quarterback is suspect, much like the Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, which is, that name has been bantered about a lot. Uh, I, I think that he would be, he would make a case to take over the job from Tannehill at some point. Um, you know, it, it really all depends on the situation. Uh, I don't know. Does he want how long he wants to hold the clipboard for? If there's a succession plan, that's totally that's another that's another thing. If if they're grooming him to be uh, a quarterback of the future, so to speak. But I, I think if if it's going to just be him holding a clipboard for a year and, and no succession plan, no chance for advancement. I think he comes back. Now I, I'm trying to think of a situation that would work for him. Like if he got to back up Drew Brees for a year or something and then take over, of course. New England? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if those teams want to give him a legitimate shot, but mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a an ideal situation. I think for him, but what I've heard here, and I I don't pretend to know anything about this, that not this upcoming draft class for the NFL, but the year after is a good sort of well, we'll call it a bumper crop for uh, quarterbacks coming out of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. So you well, have to look at it that way because a team could you know bring Bo in as a backup or something. But then all of a sudden, if they draft a hotshot rookie, then that guy gets favored. So I think Bo's smart enough to know that, though. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, he, he's going to look at the situation and and see. He, he's not going to want to. I don't think anyway that he'd want to go to a team that you know is going three and thirteen, uh, and and then you know the next year five wins, and the year after that three wins again. Uh, he's going to want to go where he has a chance to have success. I think. Uh, I I don't know if that means uh, that he's willing to necessarily sit on the bench for two or three years while, you know, a Drew Brees or or somebody like that, for example, you know, plays the last years of their of their career and he, he learns and then steps into that role. He'll, he'll be 34 in three years or 35. So, I mean, how long, how long does he want to wait before he actually, you know, if, if he doesn't get a shot to be a star in the NFL, does, does he stay there for the money? And, and because, you know... Th- the living is better as a backup quarterback in the NFL than it is as a starter in Canada. We all know that. That's we're not, you know, breaking any news. Or does he want to play and, and win football games and, and end up in Calgary again or back in the CFL and, and as a starter and stay? Um, you know, it it's all going to work out in the wash. But like you say, like in two years, that that crop of quarterbacks coming up is going to be 
Uh, it's supposed to be really good. We'll see what happens in the next couple of years. But, uh, you know, if the writing's on the wall that this te- that a team that he goes to or is interested in is, you know, they're going to finish in the top four or five, they're obviously going to draft uh, a quarterback usually. Uh, you know, it, I don't know if he really wants to go into that situation. It was made official – the new non-player football operations cap uh, by the Canadian Football League. And I guess last week it was made official. And the, oh, m- most of the discussion surrounding this is pretty negative right now. And it when, when it was first introduced, the whole idea of this thing, it kind of seemed like people were supportive. Is that fair to say? Like I, I, I think so. I, I don't think anything that has happened it's, has been unexpected. I, I think maybe no. people supported the idea without really thinking about the consequences that were going to happen. So, so the cap is set at just over two point five million. And two point five eight eight. If so, if a team goes over the cap by less than one hundred thousand dollars. They basically just have to pay a fine for however much they went over the cap. If they go Gu- over, guarantee you Saskatchewan is going to end up paying that fine at some point. <laughs> well, who knows now? They're they're losing uh, John Murphy, and we'll get to that. And I think that Craig Reynolds is tired of paying fines for uh, Mister <laughs> Chris Jones. Uh, but for any That's amount fair. over that a hundred thousand dollars. Penalties range from a minimum of a $25,000 fine and the loss of a second-round draft pick to a maximum quarter-million-dollar fine and the loss of three draft picks. So I don't know if this is sort of a one-strike, two-strike, three-strike thing where you know they end up crushing you in the end if you don't pay attention to it. But this thing is official, and a lot of the discussion surrounding it over the past week or so has not been positive from fans. No. Uh, you know, guys are losing jobs. Uh, we talked about it. We knew this was going to happen. Um, you know, the amount of coaches that some t- some teams have, it I just don't get. Um, the one problem I do have um, with it is – like they include scouts and equipment and video and like scouts and equipment personnel, especially kind of, you know, um, I, I don't like that aspect. Um, I think what's going to happen is like a lot of equipment guys are going to be classified as athletic therapists. At some point, there's going to be teams that get around this somehow. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause they don't count. Athletic therapists don't count towards the cap. Um, but like capping the number of scouts that, that really hampers a team coming in to, to the draft. Like it, now you, you really not seeing as much as you can. Um, you know, if a, if a staff has 11 coaches and, and you can have 14 other football operations staff, but it, you, if you want to have enough scouts to, you know, see the maximum amount of players you possibly can, it's really going to hamper you in other areas. Or if, if, if you try to, to keep guys around, it might, affect the sky. I don't think scouts and equipment personnel should be in it. It, That's the one problem I have with it. Other than that, it's an equal playing field. Uh, They're they're trying to create parity. The East has been so bad for so long. Um, I I know that, you know, Toronto and Ottawa and back-to-back great cups, but the regular season has been, it's been kind of a crapshoot for that East division. And this was seen as a way to to kind of equal, equal the playing field and, and make it so that a team like Saskatchewan and, and, you know, teams like Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, the Western teams can't load up on scouts and, and, 
and these guys and coaches and, you know, attract more players from other or from the States and, and get these guys to come up because they have all of this personnel. Now it's kind of an equal playing field and you can kind of, it, it, you're actually gonna have to make players gonna have to make a choice. Uh, and it's not just going to come down to who has the best, uh, you know, the most coaches or the best opportunity because there's going to be teams that, you know, haven't always been able to get free agents because they didn't have the personnel, but now all the teams have the same personnel. And, and it, I think it's going to be good. Uh, I, I get it. It sucks that guys lost their jobs. I mean, we, they've had a year to prepare for this, so I, I don't really feel sorry for anybody. And I see Ambrosi is a very unique commissioner because he comes from a financial background, but he also comes as a player. So he mm-hmm. he, he kind of knows both sides of the business, and I'm pretty sure I said this on his show earlier in the season – this is totally a bottom line move. Uh, I don't think Absolutely. the bottom line in the CFL is, I don't think it's horrible, but it, I think it's fragile. I don't think there's, I mean, <laughs> a few bad years and it really is gone all of a sudden. And if one team is able to load up on scouts and load up on coaches, the other team simply just can't afford it. So I, I think kind of cutting the dead weight a little bit and streamlining the process and making things more efficient. I see it in my own industry with guys doing, you know, multiple positions or doing shows for out-of-market radio stations. It's kind of the same thing here. Mm-hmm. I, I do have some concern about, you know, positions for guys to cut their teeth and move up the system slowly like they probably should. There's going to be less positions available for guys to cut their teeth in the coaching ranks, and I don't know if that hurts grassroots or uh, hurts the coaching ranks and hurts the quality of football. I think time will tell when it comes to this stuff. And at the same time, if if you are a victim, or I, I, I use the term victim, if, if you're if you are one of the guys that lost a job due to this, due to the cap, like I, I, I get that you know money is going to be one of the deciding factors. But if a team is willing to let you go, then you, then you were expendable to begin with. You know, if something better would be, if somebody better was out there, they they would have got him in. So I mean, sure, this forced the team's hand, and, and they had to do stuff. But at the same time, if if you want. Like Mike Benavides isn't coming back in Edmonton. Well, look at look at what the defense did this year. It wasn't great. Is anybody surprised by that move? No. It, it, Some fans wanted was, it. Yeah, exactly. A lot right? did. But I mean, if he were to come back, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But now the team with with this cap, and I mean, I'm sure Len Rose is going to say what he's going to say. But the reason he's gone is the cap. Um, because you know, winning football games isn't all that matters to Len Rhodes, which makes zero sense <laughs> to me. But <laughs> you know, it, it it's foot it's it is a professional sport. This is football. If you are not good enough, you will lose your job. Yeah, captain eleven coaches. You gotta be in the top eleven coaches on your team. Like there's a lot of coaching positions in, in, in a lot of sports that I don't get why they're there. Um, you know, where you know, one guy could probably do two or three things like we see in hockey where, you know, one one coach will run the defense and and the penalty kill, for example, and the other one will do whatever in the power play, and then they have your head coach. Um, you know, 
it, it gets oversaturated at some point in, in football. Like even 11 coaches seems crazy to me. Um, but I, I mean, there is a lot of different position groups and, and, and different aspects of this game. So I get it. But if you're not in that top 11 and, and you know, you're not the best one at, at your coaching position on your team, well, yeah, you're going to lose your job. And that that's just how it goes. That That's life. So I, I don't really feel sorry. Uh, it, it sucks. Don't get me wrong to, to lose a job, but um you know, if these guys are good enough coaches, they'll find work, whether it be at a high school or a collegiate level um, or, or at another team. I, I, it, if they want to coach, they'll find somewhere to coach and have the chance to move back up. And, and maybe they need to be better. And, and you know, teams are going to look at this and be like, yeah, well, the cap, we had to let them go. It is what it is. Uh, but, I mean, coach, coaches really do control their own de- – if, if you're not performing and your team's not performing uh, – you know, you lose your job, and that's just what it is. It's professional sports. No job is safe. So, I mean, it, it sucks, but it's just the way it goes. I think what's happening is that maybe the coaches are almost getting treated like the players a little bit. There's always oh, no. there's always somebody willing to do your job for cheaper. <laughs> yep. and, and I think that goes. That, that is why I'm in Manitoba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's always somebody here, willing to do the job cheaper. Yeah, if I didn't come here, they would have found somebody else, and I'd be sitting on my parents' couch because I couldn't afford to live. <laughs> so the Alouettes announced some changes to their. Uh, their football ops departments, and some of them actually do involve some former CFL players. Billy Parker, defensive backs coach. Jason Tucker, receivers coach. So a couple couple guys are let go there. But I, I, you know what? For all the flack that Cavis takes, I actually, uh, I feel like he treats the people that work with him and for him pretty well. Uh, he he ended up releasing. Doesn't get, he doesn't give them very good players to to coach, but well, he does I, treat them like gold. Yeah, he, you know, he goes on behalf of the entire organization. I want to thank all the coaches as well as Eric and Russ for their hard work and dedication, and I wish them all the best in the future. And we'll get to it. That's better than what some other teams have ended up doing. Uh, the Saskatchewan Roughriders end up losing John Murphy, and let's face it. A lot of people were calling the Ryder ownership group kind of like the super management, you know, with Jeremy O'Day, Chris Jones, John Murphy. Basically, from what I gather, he refused the 10% cut and got let go. And and this is kind of going to be the sign of things for the CBA negotiations because yep. how many guys took a salary cut to stay on the team? Yeah, and he knew that. Like, they, they this was released uh, in June. It was it was uh, talked about. Yeah, we we knew, but we knew this was going to happen. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, the writers said, or Chris Jones came out. I think it was Chris Jones or somebody with the writers said, you know, we did a ten percent pay cut across the board, and that included Jones. Um, turns out, John Murphy didn't want to take it. Obviously, I guess he thinks he's worth more money. Uh, he wanted the team to to honor their contract. They signed with him. Well. It's a new economic world now, John. You know, stuff like this happens, and I know I sound like a broken record, but it, it. I think he will. He will be able to find another job. I mean, he was the assistant VP, so I mean, I think I don't think he'll have an issue with that. It's going to be money. He got a lot um, of credit of what happened in Calgary too. The guy can find yeah. talent. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, and to, 
to, to turn down a 10% pay cut, I, I get, but if you want to stay in your position, you know, something's got to give it that he didn't, uh, he, he stood his ground and now he's gone. So it, that, that's what happens. And that nobody's surprised by this. I don't think, uh, we knew there was going to be some big names gone. I didn't think a VP would go. Uh, but you know, if he's not willing to play ball, then the team's like, well, see you later. So as it stands right now, he has to be the lead guy for the schooner's job. No, uh, if that gets off the ground, I, I would think so. Absolutely. I, I really can't think of any. I mean, if somebody else might but, enter the job I market. Mean, how, but how how far away are we from you know the schooners being? Yeah. Right. So I mean, he could have another job by then, this and it might not even be a factor, and somebody else could be let go by that point. So if if the schooners were to start up tomorrow, yeah, he would probably be the guy getting the job. Speaking of the schooners, how about Tom Cochran joining the investment group? That that's not a bad get. I wonder. I wonder who plays. I wonder who. I wonder who plays the anthem at their first game. It has to be him. Well, you would think. <laughs> the Eskimos also announcing changes. We did mention Mike Benavides already. Um, they also lose Rob Ralph, the director of Canadian scouting, and there are a number of people in Edmonton quite upset that. There's been no mention of this from the Eskimos. They took the time to boot him off the website, but Mm -hmm. he started as a video assistant, worked his way all the way up to being the director of Canadian scouting, and this is kind of what I'm concerned with. Are there going to be these positions that allow guys to work their way up through the system? But there's been no statement from the team or the president saying, hey, Rob, thanks for your service. Thanks for two decades with the Eskimos, and that's just unfortunate. And that's a really bad look for the Eskimos. You know, they just put a like, you know, all of a sudden, Rob Ralph is gone. Benjamin's not coming back. We haven't heard a thing, uh, you know, from the club. It doesn't even have to have. It doesn't even have to be directly from Len Rhodes. Just, you know, a statement from the club uh, would would be nice to see. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in that front office in Edmonton. I really don't. I, I don't get how. Well, it all started with Hervey. You know. You know. Apparently, winning winning football games wasn't enough, so they get rid of Hervey. Um, you know, and now three years later, three seasons later, after after you know winning a great cup, they're missing the playoffs. Uh, the team seems in disarray, kind of. Uh, you know, a nine and nine season when they when they were touted as you know the the best one of the best teams coming into the season, uh, you know, and now some and then they lose they lose a guy like Rob Ralph who's been huge uh, in finding guys, uh, you know, Canadian talent has been really good for Edmonton uh, lately and you know that all thanks to Rob, you know, director of Canadian scouting that's huge that <laughs> we're in the Canadian Football League, um, but for them not to come out and say anything that's kind of embarrassing. If you ask me, uh, I know a lot of fans don't aren't well. I shouldn't say don't aren't big fans of Len Rhodes, uh, and I don't think I can blame them. Now, who's going to be their defensive coordinator? There have been some names tossed around: Baron Miles and Demetrius Maxey, who are already in the Eskimo organization. Philip Lawley has been talked about. He was the DC for Hamilton 
in uh, was it 2016? He was also the linebackers coach on the Chris Jones defense for the Eskimos in 14 and 15, and uh, I guess when they moved to Saskatchewan as well. So I guess Lolly would have been the DC in Hamilton for uh, 17. So there are some names to watch that maybe end up uh, in Edmonton uh, to take over for Benavides. And, you know, we're going to see more and more guys. Uh, well, I shouldn't say more and more guys, but there, there, there are going to be teams that, you know, they're going to make their front office decisions. Teams like BC, uh, Toronto, and Hamilton now with new head coaches. Uh, you know, usually those guys want to hire their own guys. The cap is going to be a big factor as to what happens and who goes and who, who gets those jobs or if it happens at all. Um, but I, I would... I would like to see them promote from inside. You know, it, it's a familiar voice. It can kind of be somewhat of a familiar familiar system a little bit. Nobody plays the soft zone like a Mike Benavides defense, so I don't know if he can replicate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you're saying, promoting from inside, like these these positions might be harder to get now. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens after, you know, all the coaching staffs kind of shake down here in the next little while with, with the new hires. Uh, you know, coaches wanting to, bring their guys in or, or decision. There's going to be some tough decisions that are going to have to be made. And we've already seen a couple and I'm sure there's more to come. Uh, so it's kind of a waiting game. Uh, the DC and Edmonton, it's going to be, it's going to be a huge part because their defense was not great this year. Uh, you know, middle of the pack points. Uh, they had, they had, they, they were tied for the lead in sacks, uh, you know, fourth and fourth and in interceptions or sorry, tied for third and in interceptions. But after that, you know, they only forced eleven fumbles. Only had thirty-seven pass knockdowns. Like these guys, it it was they were a shell of that twenty fifteen. And I know the personnel is different and older, but it's it's been a it's been a long fall from that twenty fifteen defense. And and I didn't expect it quite as bad when you got guys like Grimes, who you know we're not big fans of because of just the way he acts on the field. But he is good. Um, and and J C Sheraton, you know that defensive line. You would expect this defense to kind of be able to to stick together or not necessarily stick together, but mesh a little bit and, and still be the defense that we saw. And they just weren't. So, you know, changes, we, everybody knew changes were coming. People wanted Mike Benavides fired last year. So I don't think that's a big shock, uh, but I, I don't know. It's it just seems weird. Before we talk about uh, the head coaching changes, saying thank you to Park Power today, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. How do you not like that? In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. It's pretty cool to have that freedom in this province. So if you choose Park Power, your money stays right here at home. And with that you know, uh, profits going to local charities. Two birds, one stone. Or what did Peta want? Oh, oh, don't, don't. You can't say that. I didn't say kills. Say well, now I did. <laughs> yeah, you, now you did. But what do they? Um, what I, do they say? What, what's the I, uh, official thing from I don't know. Peta? I saw. I saw somebody retweet it, or I saw the tweet come through, and I blocked it. So I don't remember what it. You like, blocked I muted it. that person. <laughs> I muted it. I'm like, I don't need to see this PC bullcrap. Okay, okay. You feed two birds with one scone. There you go. Um, no, because I'm not going to share my scones. <laughs> like, get out of here! I'm going to kill two birds. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. And I'm not changing that. I'm I I I'm not giving into the PC crap. 
Pork power Yet. feeds two birds with one skull, <laughs> making a difference in their community. And I know you like shopping local, so uh, learn more at parkpower.ca. They got a calculator on there. You can park, you can uh, plop in what you're paying now, and then uh, find out how much you're going to save. It's really easy to switch. So go to parkpower.ca. What else do we got here? Oh, I was meaning to ask you, Ty, how are you feeling about the PC stuff? It, it seems to get worse and worse every Christmas. Um, well, I don't say Merry Christmas anyways. Because you're a Scrooge. Yeah, like, I, if people say it to me, I say you too. Right, like, I I don't say Merry Christmas because I really don't care about Christmas. Um, I will say it on Christmas morning when I give my parents a present. Or, you know, when I'm at family, I'll say it. But I don't say it to people as a goodbye or a greeting. Uh, Yeah, but you don't say happy. You you just, you're Scrooge. Like, you don't say happy holidays. You just don't like Christmas. No. And, and, yeah, I just don't like Christmas. But the happy holidays, like, I'm not necessarily agreeing with it because it's PC. But, you know, we are in a multicultural society. I know this is going to get preachy. So forgive me for a minute, but we are in Canada, multicultural. There's a lot of different religions and everybody celebrates Christmas. And I, I, I know that, you know, we are a Western civilization. Christmas is the norm, but I got no problem saying happy holidays. Or if somebody says happy holidays to me, I don't take offense to it. And I, I know there's people out there that do because, like, oh, it's Christmas. And just shut up. Does it really matter? <laughs> like, does it? So do you, like, I don't uh, care yeah, I if hate, somebody I says... Hate, I hate Christmas and people, so... I if mean, somebody says happy Hanukkah to me, sure, happy Hanukkah. I don't care. It, the, it's the, the fact that they took it. the time out of their day to say something nice, I think that should be celebrated. <laughs> they didn't just turn around and say, you're an idiot. Well, okay, thanks. I hear that a lot when yeah, people you turn do. around for me. I, am, I bet you do. <laughs> so I okay think going forward on this podcast, I would like to stop using anti-animal language. Uh, PETA you might have to find a new co-host. <laughs> so instead of beat a dead horse, we now say feed a fed horse. Why are we feeding a horse that's already fed? Because it's redundant. Like so that's the whole point. That's the whole of, point of that idiom. You do realize that, right? Oh, that's true. Like, why, why would you beat a dead horse that's, that's already dead? <laughs> Not only thanks, is my math bad. Out, <laughs> that's horrible. I, I feel I should cut that out, but I really shouldn't. <sighs> okay. So instead of bring home the bacon, we now say bring home the bagels. If we change it to bring home the donuts or something, I I was just going to say bring home the chicken, but that would make them mad too. But bring, I got, Yeah, but bringing home the bacon, I mean, I bring home bacon twice a week. I do not buy bacon because I will eat it in one sitting. So no, what I you got to do. Once or twice what you gotta a do year. Is <laughs> you cook it all. You cook it all. And then you split it, you, you split it into servings and you can freeze it. And then all you got to do is nuke it after. And it's man, pretty, you're it's still pretty good. Smart, smart man. I just cook it all and eat it all. Uh, <laughs> that does of, sound delicious. That does sound delicious. <laughs> instead of take the bull by the horns, we say take the flower by the thorns. There you go. No. <laughs> like I know this is gonna this is gonna sound really bad, but we were we were locating a line. This was out by Edam. This was years ago, and I 
we were in a pasture and a bull walked up to me <laughs> and it was pretty docile, but he had a nose ring in and, and? He, he was sniffing, he was sniffing at me and nudging me. Whoa. And, and I was like, okay, I've had enough of your crap because he was annoying me. I'm trying to put sticks in. He's knocking them over. I pulled on it. So a 2,500 pound bull is annoying you. Yes. I'm, well, because I put a stick in, he, no, he knocks it over, right? So I, I pulled on his nose ring, and it pissed him off, but he, he he ran away. He left me alone after that. Is that animal cruelty? I don't know, man, but you have balls of steel. Yeah, but all you got to do is zigzag from a bull because they can't turn 90 degrees. It's not that hard. They're like an alligator. Okay, if I can take on Zach Evans in a pierogi-eating competition, <laughs> you can take on a bull in Calgary. I mean, we're in Cowtown. I can make this happen. No, you can't make this happen because I will not get on the back of a bull. You don't, don't need to get on wish. the back of it. Can you last five minutes in a ring with a bull? Absolutely not. <laughs> my uh, my grand my grandpa had uh, two bulls when my when my dad was a when my dad was in his teens young younger they had a pellet gun they shot the bull in the nuts from about twenty feet away twenty yards away sorry and it, my grandpa heard he was on the other side of the pen he turned around and all I had was a ball peen hammer and he he literally waited as long as he possibly could took one step to the side and cracked it in the middle of the skull to like daze it so he could you know get out of the way, get out of the pen. And you think I have balls of steel. <laughs> I just want to see you get in the thing with a bull. One minute. One minute. Could you do that? Oh, man. Like, what do I have to do? Just sit there? <laughs> well, I mean, avoid it. You said if you zigzag, well, the bull can't then, get you. Then I'll just lay on the ground because they're not threatened by anything below their eye level. It's perfect. All right. I want to see this. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> Two and out bull uh, uh, bull poker at the Grey Cup in Calgary. Oh my god! <laughs> I should be careful what I say in this podcast because whatever I say actually happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't don't be don't be writing checks that I can't cash. <laughs> if you well, you cash the Brazilian. Maybe you can cash this. Um, Somehow we're talking about coaches here. The Tiger Cats end up promoting Orlando Steinauer to head coach as June Jones is now the offensive coordinator. What I think is really cool about this, and you know what? I kind of like June Jones more and more just about every day. He Minus the necklace. Uh, the necklace, yeah, I don't know about that fashion decision. But he <laughs> donates his salary to cha charity. And then he's like, hey, you know what, Steinauer? You got calls from BC. You got calls from Toronto. You know what? I'll step aside so you can be the guy in Hamilton. hes I know he's got a home in Hawaii, but he seems like that laid-back attitude. Uh, he mm -hmm. kind of lives that style of life. And, you know, for him to, to call Orlando and say, I will step aside from the head coach, but he stays on the coordinator. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago where I was like, you know, consistency isn't a terrible thing. Uh, when it comes to your coaching staff, he's still going to be around. He's still going to be around the team. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll, at the drop of a hat, will help sign our, uh, you know, any way he can. I don't think that's going to be an issue. And and it's nice. It's nice for the consistency to still be there. Uh, it's kind of a a move where things change, but they stay the same. Uh, every you know, 
the the core group of coaches minus Jerry Glanville still going to be in the mix. Uh, they just have different titles now. Uh, Orlando Sinauer is going to be the one answering the questions. And June Jones now can focus on just being the OC. And I think that could also be huge uh, for this offense. And Jeremiah Masoli, uh, you know, to, to have a guy who is committed to the offensive side of the ball fully and, and you know, can really, like we saw him this year with, with all those 300-yard games, which was huge. Um, you know, and, and, you know, committing to the run game. And now June, June Jones can just have a, hand, a hands-on approach in that aspect. I think that's huge for that offense. Well, and Jerry Glanville will not be back in 2019. They say it's due to... The man, to, the myth, the legend. They say it's not, or it is due to personal reasons, but Steinauer came mm-hmm. back and he was able to learn from some amazing football minds for the entire year in June Jones in Jerry Glanville and Steinauer got involved in into the offense uh, a little bit because he had never you know done that in his career so he was able to add that to his repertoire and now i i think they've done the right thing with Steinauer they were either going to promote him to head coach or straight up lose him and yeah. Uh, he's been waiting in the wings a long time in Hamilton, and I, I believe they made the right move here. I, I felt like once the Steinauer domino fell, then the rest of the pieces were going to fall into place, and they all did happen really quickly after Steinauer got hired. And exactly as you predicted. Which I... Is that... I'm kind of shocked, actually. <laughs> like, hey, everybody gets one. Yeah, is that is that PETA approved? The even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not like Steinauer had the the greatest uh, resume when it comes to being the DC, though. Uh, but I mean, they they trust him obviously enough in Hamilton to give him the shot, which you know a lot a lot of especially professional sports is, is a lot of trust with the, within the organization and, and from the organization. Um, you know, in 2011, he was a DC with Toronto. He allowed 498 points. That was the worst in the football in the CFL. The in 2013, and, and, he was the DC. They made it to the Grey Cup. In 2014, yeah, they also made it to the Grey Cup. Yes. So, so from 2013, 2016, the DC with Hamilton, uh, his number that improved his numbers like that. That team was really good. Fifth in points against. He moved up to uh, dead last in sacks per game, though. Uh, but fourth, fourth in interceptions, third in forced fumbles, second in pass knockdowns. Uh, you know they allowed a lot of pass yards at two seventy five point nine one a game, but they only allowed nine. They allowed under one hundred yards, ninety seven point zero nine uh, rush yards per game. That's good for third uh, in the in that time frame with two thousand eleven and then twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen. Uh, so it's not. He's not top of the he's not top of the heap when it comes to, comes to this, but I mean, he now has a, he's going to go out and get a DC, and you know that it's going to be that guy's problem. And just using this as a reference, um, but uh, to have the trust and, and everything from the organization is going to be huge, and it gives it gives another guy a chance um, that you know I don't want to say overlooked, but you kind of forget about Orlando Steinauer there on the coaching staff a little bit, uh, you know with. With, with a guy like June Jones and Jerry Glanville around. They were turnover monsters when uh, mm-hmm. he was uh, the guy in Hamilton as the DC. So we'll see if they can uh, make that happen. I wouldn't be shocked if he does the head coach and defensive coordinator thing. And that would help the cap, of course. Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> so there's that. So the next one that uh, fell was Corey Chamberlain being hired as the head coach in Toronto. Now, <laughs> in 2017, the Argos were a completely different team all of a sudden, and a lot of that goes to Corey Chamberlain. The Argo players look like they absolutely loved playing for him, and mm-hmm. in 2017, they were a great defense. I, I don't know if it was because he was able to just focus on coaching the defense instead of you know being the head coach like he was in Saskatchewan. But that Argo defense had six all-stars. They tied for the league lead in sacks. Uh, they only gave up 82 yards a game on the ground. And they were second in both net offense a game and opponents' yards per play. So... They were great with Chamberlain at the helm. I thought he did good with what he was given as far as the personnel went. And then when he was gone, the, the team went to crap, <laughs> especially the defense. <laughs> and, and injuries did not help that aspect of it at all. Uh, a big thank you goes out to Cavis Reed for cutting Bear Woods. Uh, that was a huge ad for that defense in Toronto. Um, you know, 2015, sorry, you know, gets off to that 0-9 start. Uh, you know, gets fired, don't hear anything from him, comes back with as the DC in Toronto in 2017, wins another great cup. Uh, you know, he's got two great cups, one as a head coach, one as a defensive coordinator. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, you know, that, that's awesome. Uh, his his stats aren't the greatest, but he's, he's won, and, and that means a lot to front offices in this league. Um, you know, ninth and inter- dead last in interceptions, you know, second last in forced fumbles and knockdowns, pass yards against or a pass yards for, sorry, as the head coach, it, you know, seventh in rush yards against, you know, but middle of the pack in points, sacks, and, and rush yards, uh, rush yards as a head coach, 116.77 a game. This is a guy who's not afraid to run the football. And, you know, if they're able to retain James Wilder in Toronto, that could be a huge get uh, or a huge advantage for that offense to have a guy like James Wilder and a coach that's that's willing to commit to the run. Yeah, and there's all kinds of rumors as to what happened in his time in Saskatchewan um, at the end of the run there with Brendan Tom Tamman and uh, mm-hmm. you know keeping veterans in there too long, being a little too power hungry, what some Ryder fans would tell you or some insiders, but. I, 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 think, I have I have I have to stop you. Like we're talking power hunger with Corey Chamberlain, and nobody has a problem with Chris Jones. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I am a Ryder fan, but I hate you people. You actually just defended Chris Jones, or wait, was that a backhanded compliment? No, I don't know. I'm I, I'm asking why nobody's talking about all the power that Chris Jones has, where they're pissed off about Chamberlain being power hungry. <laughs> And by the you way, have your cake and eat it too. I love cake. I oh, told man. you, hyperphagia. I, <laughs> angel food cake. Oh, let's go. I can. You can eat an entire angel food cake. I think that's the best part about it. That's what I get for my birthday every year. It's angel un, food unreal. cake. Yeah, it's gonna be my wedding cake if I ever get married. I already told my mom that she has to make one. <laughs> I want to be at that wedding. Dude, you're in the wedding party. Okay, like thanks, it's probably buddy. like 20 years away. I'm guaranteed. Now I just have to find you, you a girl. <laughs> yeah, you're penciled in. <laughs> hey, pen this- it in. I'm not comfortable with the pencil. You can erase that. 
Uh, well, I, <laughs> that's fair. That's we fair. should change that I'll, idiom. I'll edit. <laughs> yeah, pencil you in. Like, well, then I'm not really in, am I? <laughs> Hey, and they got Brandon Burks, whether Wilder returns or not. So that uh, is true as well. And McCluster, I don't know if he's going to come back. So I, I think they got some wealth of talent at running back. And you're mm-hmm. right, uh, the Riders really uh, were good at running the ball, and a lot of that goes to the offensive line, and a lot of that does go to Corey Sheets when he was the man yeah, was, in Saskatchewan. I was going to say they had a guy named Corey Sheets who was a absolute beast. Uh, out of the backfield. But I think what matters is that the Argos uh, defensive players, they seem to be excited about the move, and they're happy to have Chamberlain back on the sidelines in Toronto. The final domino that fell was the BC Lions naming Devon Claybrooks as their new head coach. And it feels like, what, two weeks ago that this was basically reported, and then media members throwing shade at each other. No, and offers on the table. <laughs> no, he didn't interview. Well, it worked out that Claybrooks is the guy in BC anyway. <laughs> and what a get. Uh, if he can do what he did as the defensive coordinator, BC is in uh, for one hell of a ride, and, and you know, possibly challenging Calgary at the top of that Western division. Do you think that instantly puts them in the hunt for a home playoff game, like some are saying? If he can do as a head coach with 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 BC at what he did as the defensive coordinator with Calgary, if he is able to to make to get the same performance out of his defense, and, and you know he's going to know the type of players that he wants, and he's probably going to have a huge say in how the defense is run. I mean. I'm not maybe not first place, but a home playoff game. You know, it. I think it's definitely a possibility. Clay Brooks is it, a great Cup champion uh, as a mm-hmm. coach in 2014. Super Bowl champion. He's a Super Bowl champion with those Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they beat the Raiders. That John Gruden had nothing to do with building. <laughs> yeah, but uh, hey, he knew uh, the he gets Raiders the, he gets the, the back credit. of his head. <laughs> yeah, because let's not get into that. Um, have you looked at you know Clay Brooks's stats that I sent you? Like it's ridiculous how good his defense was when he was the DC. And I know a lot of that is is personnel, but man, if he can get this out of BC, uh, what he got out of Calgary's defense, that it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Like first and under twenty points allowed, second in sacks per game. First in pass yards against, first in rush yards against, you know, un, 80 yards per game on the ground against. You're going to win a lot of football games like that. And weird, he did. Yeah. Like, there. if if he can get out of BC what he got out of the St. Peters, it, it's going to be fun to watch. And he knows a thing or two about defense. He, uh, mm-hmm. he, he worked with some incredible coaches uh, throughout his career as a player. I mean, he was in Dallas. The Tampa Bay defense was incredible in the early 2000s. Um, He worked with John Huffnagel. He worked with uh, Dave Dickinson. And he takes over for Wally Buono. uh, And they said, you got big shoes to fill. And he said, you know what? I'm wearing my own shoes. And that's good because uh, it was Wally Buono Day in BC last week. So, I mean, I don't know if he feels any of that pressure. But... Man, Wally Buono made BC football what it is. Yep. 
Uh, I, and it doesn't matter what he says, like he's wearing his own shoes. He's going to be compared to Wally Bono. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, a lot of coaches in this league, you know, <laughs> almost to, everybody is. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's Matthews, Bono, uh, Lancaster, there's going to be those comparisons. And especially in that market, he's going to have to deal with being compared to Wally Bono. Um, you know, it, it, it's unfair to a point. And, and I mean, it's probably arguably the best coach in CF in the CFL has ever had, but you know, you are taking over for him and it, it, it's what it is. You're gonna have to deal with that, with that comparison. Um, it's not fair, but I, man, it, <laughs> can you just put his hat on straight is what I'm really getting at here. Well, my favorite quote of the day <laughs> is Claybrook's, and I quote, saying, yeah. if you're really worried about how my hat looks, then you're not worried about what's under it. And then I got you. So, <laughs> like I, didn't, I didn't recognize said, him at CFL Fans Fight Cancer because he had his hat on straight. It was like on the straight? first time I've ever seen it. It was straight. It, well, straighter. It eventually did move over. But I didn't recognize him at first. I'm like, well, that can't be Clay Brooks. His hat's on straight. <laughs> I've never seen him like that. And then like 10 minutes later, I looked over and it was crooked again. Well, Clay Brooks is surrounding himself with an amazing coaching staff. Now, I don't know. Not all of these guys are confirmed, but it looks like Jarius Jackson is expected to stick around for another season as OC. But he's rumored to have Rich Stubler as his uh, defensive coordinator. And say what you want about Rich Stubler. But he has like five decades of coaching experience (laughs) under his belt. So you can chirp his defenses as of late. You can say the game has passed him by. But he has experience, and that will help Clay Brooks. Clay Brooks will have input in that defense. Absolutely. I think it's 100% awesome that he's going to have Stubler by his side. Well, Nick Lewis is rumored to be the running backs coach. Ryan Phillips, the DB coach. Brian Chu as his offensive line coach. There was a long, long time offensive line coach in uh, BC. Was it Durazio, I believe? And Mm -hmm. he is out there now, but he brings in Brian Chu. Like, not only these names make me feel old, because I've seen these guys play almost their entire careers and now <laughs> they are becoming coaches but he's surrounding himself with a pretty good cast this is a 2008 cfl all-star team as a coaching staff yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> like <laughs> man the this is the name recognition alone is is unreal um these guys know we'll a thing or two about guys, football yep uh that that is that is a fair statement, I would say. Just a thing or two, couple couple Grey Cups in there, couple All Star <laughs> appearances, or not maybe not appearances, but All Star selections. Uh, yeah, they they should be okay. All right. So early predictions. Where do you have the Lions finishing in twenty nineteen? <laughs> oh, that is not fair. Well, right now they don't have a quarterback, right? Uh, yeah, neither does Calgary, Edmonton. Uh, I wouldn't say Saskatchewan has one. Uh, you know, I think Winnipeg's about the only team who really does. In the West, yeah. Like, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think BC challenges for a home playoff spot, though. 
Well, there you have it. It is the coaching carousel in the CFL. I'm pretty sure more to come uh, before we are through. And this offseason is just getting underway. Uh, I'm Travis Curra. He's Brazilian Thai. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Check out the For Kicks podcast. Jessica and Katie talk about the Canadian women's national soccer team, the under-20 and the under-17 teams as well plus other women's soccer news. That's Jessica and Katie in the For Kicks podcast. Check out all the great shows in the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Brazilian Ty, I think we're going to do one more show next week before we wrap it up for 2018. I thought it was our off-season too, though. No, like, there's no such thing as off-season anymore, buddy. Ugh. So this is what it's like. <laughs> I think we're going to do a sort of a year in review kind of thing next can, week. Can we record Christmas night so then I have an excuse not to go over to my parents' house? Christmas night? No, because that <laughs> yeah, means I have to. Or maybe I just come over to your parents' house and we eat pierogies. You and, are and more than welcome to come table. over for Christmas, man. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll feed you. Yeah, I'll, it's getting there. It'll be the problem at about four in the afternoon when there's you know four basketball games done by that point, and I'm having a few libations by myself. Well, my brother-in-law is a massive basketball fan, so mm-hmm. hey, come over watch basketball. You bring the booze, and I'll give you the food. Oh, that, that sounds like I'm getting ripped off if I'm giving you the booze. <laughs> I can't drink anymore. I'm done until next Grey Cup, man. Man, Grey Grey Cup just ruined me. (laughs) Well, no, Wednesday night of Grey Cup ruined me. You seemed like a different guy. Like, are you recovered? Because I'm not. I I am Uh, not. After the episode I had on Sunday, no. (laughs) Uh, We won't get into that. Uh, it's It's not alcohol related at all. It's more sleep and other things but uh, I don't think I'm going to be back 100% until after Christmas my oh. diet has a lot to do with that alright buddy <laughs> well I'll talk to you next week if anybody listens to this alright <laughs> okay sounds good rate review subscribe on iTunes and we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter